we uh, we had received a call uh, just for a generic illness to a child. The detector went off, they radioed it in, and then we ramped things up. From Boston 25 News, this is First on Scene, a podcast about the people who run toward danger, about those who become heroes in our darkest hour. Welcome to this episode of First on Scene, and hopefully today you're listening somewhere where it's nice and warm. You know, it's really been somewhat of a slow start to the winter, but it seems like we're really ramping up the cold and the snow chances now, as we typically do here in New England. But with that cold comes a serious concern from first responders, and it's something that oftentimes we don't talk about it until it's really too late. And that's what we're going to be talking about here today. And joining me for this episode is Deputy Superintendent Ed Hassan with Boston EMS. Thanks so much for being with me today. Appreciate it. Well, you're welcome. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, we're going to talk about an incident that happened a few weeks ago that really brought this to light, and we started talking about this behind the scenes. Um, but we're talking about issues with carbon monoxide. What happened here recently? Well, we, uh, we had received a call uh, just for a generic illness to a child. So we dispatched an ambulance to the address. The ambulance got there. And, um, you know, they, they went on scene. They went upstairs to the apartment. And when they went in, um, all of our units are equipped with uh, carbon monoxide uh, detectors, right? They're, they're a single gas meter that will alert the crew to the presence of carbon monoxide. So that, you know, not only protects our crews, it protects our patients and, and anybody else there. So when they went up to this apartment to uh, assess their patient, um, their detector went off, indicating carbon monoxide in the apartment. So at that point, they had, uh, you know, they notified uh, the dispatcher on the radio that their carbon monoxide detector was going off and that they would need the fire department and for a supervisor to respond and at that time, they had, you know, they got the family together and, you know, got them out of the building, as well as this was a, a three-family house, mm. if I remember. And they got all the other people out on the way out. You know, they knocked on doors and explained the situation quickly and got everybody outside and out of that environment. And this was a this started as an unrelated call, was Correct. It? The call was just for uh, an illness to a child. And so... When your crews get there, and you were actually on this scene. Once they uh, updated the call, I responded to the scene, yes. So your crews, you were talking about the equipment they take with them, they have on them. Tell me more about that and how that works. Is that something they take into every single call? Or every, right, every, for... every single call. So the way we uh, structure this is the carbon monoxide detector that I refer to, it's a, uh, in the industry, it's called a single gas meter. Uh, it's, the, has, it's about the size of... Uh, uh, like we, when we used to have pages years ago, right. it's about that size, right. has a digital readout on it. It vibrates and then it, it beeps. We have it programmed to vibrate if there's uh, a level of carbon monoxide at 35 parts per million, and then it'll start beeping at 50 parts per million. Um, we have that affixed to a medical bag that is carried into every call. So that carbon monoxide detector goes in on every call with the EMTs. So in this case, how much was it reading on there? Could you tell? I, you know, I, I don't have that information. They, you just knew the, going on. The, the detector went off, they radioed it in, and then we ramped things up. How long have you all had this kind of technology that, because it must be invaluable 
this time of year? Um, I I would just be guessing. I don't have the actual yeah. date that we bought these detectors and in service them. I want to say probably close to ten years. Oh, for a while you've had yeah. it for a while. Uh, and and they've been uh, not only in this instance, but over the years, they've uh, they've been an asset. They've they, they've saved lives. I was going to say, how often does something like this happen, where you all come across something like this? Where where the carbon monoxide detector tips yeah. us off? It's unrelated. I, I mean, I'm talking off the top of my head. It's probably I don't know half a dozen times a yeah. year where where it unfolds like this. Because, I mean, then we do get dispatched to calls that we get dispatched as a carbon monoxide illness. How serious can this be for the family that well, does not know? Well, uh, ultimately, it? carbon monoxide poisoning can cause death. So right. it's, it's very serious. What makes it so serious is you'll very often hear of carbon monoxide. It's referred to as, the silent, as a silent killer right. because it's, it's odorless. It's tasteless. You don't know the carbon monoxide is present in the atmosphere. And uh, over time, you and, and the symptoms of carbon monoxide poisoning are not very dramatic. So especially in the wintertime, it's a lot of flu-like symptoms. You're weak. You're irritable. You have a headache. Maybe you're nauseous. Um, sometimes there's, uh, you're easily distracted. It's, the symptoms are very... Um, vague. So many times people will dismiss those symptoms. Uh, you read things where people will be diagnosed with the flu. Uh, you know, you have a virus. Right. They don't know. Uh, right. Right. And it's because of the environment, because generally, by, you know, when they leave the environment, sometimes the symptoms get better. So on this call, once you all noticed it and evacuated you started to evacuate the building with the yes other first responders right yes um what happens at that point well we keep everyone outside uh you know the fire department responds and then they the fire department will assess the conditions uh, in the building and um, usually they can isolate you know they'll, they'll figure out where the carbon monoxide is coming from and you know if they have to shut off utilities or do whatever they have to do to, to stabilize the situation um and a lot of times, you know, it ends up being that a, uh, sometimes, you know, a contractor has to come in and fix a problem, whether it's with a furnace or with a stove or, you know, maybe the gas company has to come in because it's a gas leak from outside, you know, any number of things. But, you know, the first step is, you know, we call the fire department because it's a hazardous environment. In a situation like this, I can only imagine, you know, thank goodness that you all were there and that this thing went off. This, this could have easily been right. a tragedy six or eight hours later because the call was later in the evening. So if they didn't call and they went to sleep and the carbon monoxide level kept increasing and increasing, this, this potentially could have been a, uh, a fatality uh, in the morning. So it's um, it really it's, uh, it's a stroke of luck that they called when they did. And it's very fortunate that we have this uh, technology that just uh, prevents a lot of tragedy. I know this is a big deal for first responders. This is a big deal for Boston EMS to get this word out for people. What may seem like common sense, but things happen. What is the message that you want people to hear out of all this? It, it, you know, it's like with any uh, illness or injury, uh, uh, prevention 
is uh, is always better than uh, the cure. So, I mean, trying to prevent carbon monoxide exposure, carbon monoxide poisoning is the best thing. So working carbon monoxide detectors uh, in homes or apartments, uh, absolute lifesaver. And, you know, to the extent that you can as a homeowner, you know, properly proper maintenance on your heating systems, on your uh, gas appliances and things like that, it's, it's very necessary because it, 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 it prevention. Yeah. I, it's interesting because once I knew we were doing this, I was checking in my own house to see, do we have these carbon monoxide detectors? And you just take it for granted. You think, well, maybe we do. I don't know. And I knew we had one actual carbon monoxide detector, but then I looked at the other ones the fire alarms and the smoke detectors. And these days, they're built two in one for the most part. Do you all recommend that? Do you think that's a good way of dealing with this? Or, or do you should you have the lone I, I, carbon monoxide detector? It would be a little out of my area of yeah. expertise to recommend what type right. of detector. I think you just you, you should have one. I know that all of those things, both smoke detectors and carbon monoxide detectors, should be on each level of your home. Right. Um, you know, you can't have too many of them, in my opinion, anyway. Right. Well, I, have, I have like four of them in my house. So. Sure. What, you know, we get in this time of year, and I'm looking outside our studios <laughs> at the rain coming down, and we've had a recent snowstorm, and we'll likely have some more uh, this year. But, you know, there are times when people have no other choice, they feel like, than to warm their home using whatever means they can. And that can be a serious problem, can't it? Yes. Like, we've seen that right. in this area. So heating, trying to heat your home with your gas stove, again, that could be a big source of uh, carbon monoxide. Uh, worse yet is any kind of open flame uh, inside. So, you know, like a, a barbecue grill inside, you know, to get the heat off of anything like that is, uh, is a recipe for trouble. Uh, but... Carbon monoxide is not only in your home. You mentioned snowstorms right. and outside cars. We've uh, Unfortunately, we've seen uh, these tragedies a few times over the years as people will go out to shovel their snow and along with clearing off their car. So part of clearing off your car, we all do it, right? You, you, you start the car up, you get the defroster on full blast, and you, you go and you shovel. Well, when you have your little kids out, well, they get cold. But they want to be outside, so you put them in the car. But unfortunately, a lot of times the, the exhaust pipe gets blocked. Right. When the exhaust pipe in the car gets blocked, it's just like the exhaust or the flue for your furnace getting blocked. The carbon monoxide goes in the car. And we unfortunately have had children uh, die from carbon monoxide poisoning in cars like that. So it's something to keep in mind. It's not just a hazard in your home, but it can be in your car and... When you said snowstorm, it made me it made me think of that because it's a very unfortunate set of circumstances. And uh, I mean, I remember as a little kid being put in the car while Dad sure. shoveled snow. Sure, uh, it's, it's a very common practice. But if you know that tailpipe being blocked, or you know, e even for you, you and you make sure you clear the tailpipe from your car. And you know, with the snowbanks and stuff, it's it's tough. It's yeah. you know, we're in close quarters out there. Have you responded to these? Over, I mean, how long have you been doing this? Uh, I've been with Boston EMS 32 years. Okay. So I'm sure you've seen your fair share of calls that are yes. related to stuff yes, like I this. Yes, I have. What stands out to you on this? Uh, with carbon monoxide, it's, um, well, I'll put it as, I'm, I'm glad that we're able to catch it a lot sooner. 
And uh, it, on the way here today, I thought of something. When I was uh, brand new with Boston EMS, obviously a very long time ago, uh, we went to a call for cardiac arrest in a house. And uh, we responded with paramedics at the time. We, you know, we did our work. We took someone to the hospital and you know, thought nothing of it. It was later in the shift or the next shift, uh, other crews responded back there for the other person in the house, who I believe also was in cardiac arrest. And we found, they found out that there was a car running in the garage that was underneath the house mm -hmm. the whole time. So the whole time that we were there initially, we were all uh, in, in jeopardy. That's unreal. Didn't realize it. Um, again, this was you know close to 30 years ago. We didn't have the technology we have today. That same call today, we would have went in. Those detectors would have went off. It's unreal, isn't it? So I guess when I thought of that uh, yeah. driving here today, I guess that one uh, stands out. And I just thought of that today, and I've known about this uh, podcast here for a couple of weeks now. Sure. What what do um, and, I, and I don't want to focus on this one case and this uh, with this question, but what do families say when you tell them we found high levels of carbon monoxide in your home and they didn't realize it? Um, they'll, they'll respond to our direction. I mean, sure. they'll, they'll be surprised. Be a scary thing. Right. But they'll, you know, Hey, it's, you know, grab your coats. We, we got to go outside. Come on. You know, um, they'll, they'll respond to our direction. And I mean, they're, they're, they're grateful, you know, how do you get the word out? Cause we were talking about this before we started taping here today, that this isn't a topic that a lot of people talk about until a tragedy has happened. A lot of times that uh, tends to spur a lot of discussion, sure. a lot of media attention. Yeah. But I know periodically <clears throat> uh, our department, as well as hospitals and fire departments, they will, through social media, uh, put out uh, postings or announcements about uh, carbon monoxide, you know, seasonal dangers. Every season brings its own dangers, just like with the, you know, when the summertime comes, we put out uh, information about heat-related illness. Uh, when the winter comes, we put out information about carbon monoxide as well as cold-related illnesses. Because this, being the region where we live, the risk is a little greater for stuff like this, you know, not compared to another part of the country. Well, yeah, because any time you have to burn uh, fossil fuels on a regular basis, you, uh, you have the risk of carbon monoxide poisoning. So... It's not just heat. It can just be a gas stove. So you're not immune uh, someplace where it's uh, warm weather year-round uh, because they may have a gas stove, so they could still get carbon monoxide poisoning. And they still have the risk of uh, carbon monoxide poisoning in their vehicles. Maybe not getting blocked by snow in a warm environment, but uh, same thing, proper maintenance on your vehicle. If your exhaust system has a leak, uh, you know, if the gaskets on your car uh older, uh, you can get uh, uh, carbon monoxide leak into your car. In this case that you had here recently, how long did it take for the families? Do you have a sense of how long it took to, for them to get back into the in their home? Um, I don't. I know we had them out. Um, I believe they, they were able to go they were able to go back in at, I think within about an hour because mm -hmm. they, they turned off the furnaces. They ventilated the building by opening the windows. They got the level, you know, down. <clears throat> they got them inside, but they had no heat. So fortunately, it wasn't, like, really cold out, but uh, they were able to 
you know, be sheltered from uh, the elements. And, uh, you know, the building owner was contacted and then a, you know, heating contractor had to come in and rectify the issue with the furnace. You talk about when your detectors can go off, but when someone inside a home or residence, when their detector goes off, some people might blow this off. Well, that's what you don't want to do. The detector's there for a reason. Uh, just like if, the, if the, any alarm was to go off in this building right now, we would leave. You need to get out of the environment because that's the first treatment that we would institute on scene. If our detector going off is to remove uh, ourselves and any patients or any people from that environment. So if your detector goes off in your house, first thing you want to do is to get out of the environment. And then call 911 from your cell phone from a neighbor's house, but get out of the environment. I bet you can't stress that enough because I know many people out there, when they hear the fire alarm at their office, they think, oh, that's not real. They don't, well, they don't step with that urgency. Well, you, you, And, and you're, what you're saying is that no, whether, you, whether it goes off or not, when it does, take it seriously. Take, take it serious. First thing, get out. And then once you're out, call. It's good advice. So besides telling people to make sure to check your home, to make sure you have, you know, as you said, as many as you can have in your home, these working detectors, what other advice do you give to people? You know, if, if you're suspicious, you know, call. Um, so like clustered, uh, a, a cluster of illnesses is very suspicious to us. So if you get a call for multiple people ill with the same symptoms in the same place, uh, one of the things that pops into our head is, is there an environmental issue there? And in the winter, we would think of carbon monoxide. Right. And from a symptom standpoint, because you were saying earlier how sometimes the calls come in as flu or something like that, uh, what, do you, what do you tell people about the symptoms to really watch for without <laughs> going overboard? You know what I mean? Yeah, it's, it's, it, a it's, hard one. it's tough. I think, you know, people, when you get that, Sort of funny feeling that, you know, something's just not right. Um, call. You know, we, uh, we, we'd always rather come out and, and have it not be than, than, than have it be a big issue. Absolutely. Well, I think it's great that you guys have the technology that really makes this, um, makes a big difference, doesn't it, by having this kind of technology? Yeah, it, it really does. It's, uh, we take it for granted because, like I said, it's, it, it comes along with us everywhere we go. But it, uh, it's, it saved the day several times, and, and I'm sure it will continue to. Sadly, I think you're right. And, and it's amazing that what you've seen over your, the course of your career. 32 years, you said, right? Yes. <laughs> I'm sure you've seen some stuff. We'll save that for the next podcast, right? Yeah. <laughs> I, I do appreciate you coming here. Deputy Superintendent Ed Hassan with Boston EMS. Thanks to you. Our thanks to everyone at Boston EMS because you all make such a huge difference every single day. And there's so many stories behind the scenes that I know we don't get a chance to tell, but you guys make a big impact on our city. And we really do appreciate all the work that you do. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for having us. Thank you for being here. And uh, for those listening, thanks for listening to this episode of First on Scene. First on Scene is a production of Boston 25 News. It's hosted by me, Blair Miller. The show is produced and edited by Dalton Main, and music is provided by Killer Tracks. Special thanks this episode to Deputy Superintendent Ed Hassan and Aaron Curran. And thanks to those who respond to every detector. You can read more about these stories at boston25.com slash firstonscene. 
please let us know what you think of the show. You can send an email to firstonscene at boston25.com, or you can rate it, leave us a review, and don't forget to subscribe. Thanks for listening.